It's a great season. We're coming out of our 26-day challenge of being thankful and finding things to be thankful about. How many of that benefited your life this, over the last little bit here? Just thinking and meditating on things that you can be thankful for. Because I tell you, there's a lot of opportunity every day to be ungrateful and unthankful for things. You know? and, and to focus on what we don't have instead of being aware of what we do have and being grateful and thankful for that. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's not just something that was for 26 days, but it, it was, uh, you know, a, a, an instructor for the rest of our days, you know, for the days ahead and the rest of this year and next year and beyond. Because God, God said that His will was, as we read in every one of those services, as we read out of uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God for your life in Christ Jesus. That's God's will for you individually and personally, is to live your life giving thanks. And I tell you what, when you give thanks in all things, you don't have time, and there's no room in your life to moan and groan and complain about things that aren't working. You know? And, and every, we all have opportunity to do that. I don't care who you are. Everybody has opportunity to do it, so you have to practice not thanking God for something not working or not being right, but thanking God for how great He is in the midst of what we go through and thanking Him for where He's taking us. Because I'll tell you this, when you know the promises of God and, and you're in a set of circumstances that don't line up with certain promises, it, it's not over. Amen? The, the, the circumstances that you're facing are subject to change. The, this pulpit right here, looks like it's forever but a sledgehammer or two and a little bit of time and a little bit of pushing and shoving and bending and this baby is subject to change right everything is subject to change except the word of god except the word of god heaven and earth will pass away but his word will never pass away and his word is full of his promises so when things in your life are not lining up with certain promises you know, the greatest tool to get you to that place is a heart and an attitude of thankfulness. It, it, just, it just does something. And someone says, well, you know, that, that sounds good, but I just don't know that that would work. Well, if you've never tried it, how will you know? If you've not put it to work, how will you know? And, it, and so that's been this last 26 days and, and or the, you know, the month of, of November that's what it was about so don't just don't just you know look at it as though okay the month is over and I'm going to go back to complaining right now we're going to stay thankful and and having a thankful heart and continuing on with it so we have a new series we're starting today and um, I'm going to do a couple little things this month this month of it's not December yet but we're right at the at the beginning of it, um, and um, the next, th- this week and next week, the title of my message is "The Source of All Fear." The source of all fear. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do we're we're gonna take. This message, and next year, 
I really believe God's given me a theme for Word First, or at least in my message for Word First, that is coming up. Our Word First conference is coming up the uh, 3rd through the 6th of January that we have every year. And, uh, you know, the Bible says when the first is blessed, the rest is. And so we see that the first of the year is a great time to hear from men and women of God about things that God is saying for this coming year. And I believe God's really dropped something in my spirit about wholeness, about really understanding how that we have been made whole and to live in that wholeness. And one of the reasons that people don't live in the fullness of what God established and created is, I believe, the source of fear. You can say, well, it's fear. Yeah, but where does fear come from and how do you stop fear in your life? We can focus on the fact that, well, you know, you're doing that because you're afraid. And you're doing this because you're afraid. And, you, and this is not working in your life because of fear. Well, that's all great. But where does it come from and how do we stop it? I'm going to say it again. Where does it come from and how do we stop it? So today, in the next few minutes, I'm going to share with you what, what I believe is the, the source, not of all fears, but the source of fear that shuts down the different types of fear that there are in the, in the earth. There's, there's the fear of man. There's the fear of failure. There is you know, the, the, the fear of something not ever going to change or happen in your life. There's the fear of insecurity uh, that, that, that most people have in life because the enemy lies to people telling them that they just don't measure up, that they're not good enough, they don't, their life is not like the next person, or they see something that they admire in someone else and they don't see it working in them. So the fear of insecurity, which is tied to intimidation, is what shuts so many people down, keeps people not mobilized. In other words, it demobilizes people's lives, and, and we, need, we need to be rid of that. So we're going to just talk about the source of fear, and we're going to start in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 1. I love the Psalms. Psalm 34. <clears throat> And verse 1, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Verse 4 says, <clears throat> David says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What David did, and as you read the Psalms, especially the Psalms that were written by David, he learned that in the midst of things that were not working, as he blessed the Lord, that God delivered him. And here, 
he said, I sought the Lord. I went after God. I, I, I developed my relationship with God. And as a result of that, He delivered me from all of my fears. He, he delivered me from the position that I was in. Now, would it be a true statement to say that if what you know about fear, that it would be a good thing for you to be set free from being afraid of anything, right? And <clears throat> would it be true to say that you probably don't know everything about why certain fears are in your life? I, I believe everybody... I believe uh, this isn't a question that I'm asking you. I'm telling you, everybody deals with some form of fear or another at different times in their lives. And the, the funny thing about fear is that fear enters into the mind of people. It enters into your soul at different opportune times through, through life, especially when you're younger. And, and certain fears will attach themselves to your thinking. So that you will make decisions in life as you grow older through fear and not even knowing that you're making a decision based on or rooted in fear. And the reason being is that we don't know the origin of fear and where fear actually came from. But all fears, anything that is, is fear of any form or, or another is not a good thing. And I'm telling you today, whether you believe it today or not, that you don't need it. I've heard people say this and make statements. I've heard people make these statements. Not just someone else saying that they heard someone. I've heard people make the statement that some forms of fear are good. In other words, they keep you honest. It's good to you know, be uh, afraid of you know, certain government agencies so that you'll stay on your toes and do the things that you need to you need to be afraid of what they're going to do to you and and if God delivered David of all of his fears as he sought him see when I seek the Lord what happens is I learn to get as I've sought the Lord through my life I've gained information that I didn't have before I gained information that they didn't teach me at college I gained information that they didn't teach me in, in, you know, as I was growing up in different schools and things that I, that I went to and, and different groups of people that don't know God. When I began to seek God and I sought God, I learned things that I didn't know. And as David sought the Lord, he got delivered of fears in his life that were there that he didn't know about. It had to be that way. Otherwise, he would have gotten rid of fear without God. So when he sought God and began to understand God in a greater way, he realized that he was operating in fear and God delivered him. Now you can seek God and realize that you're in fear and not choose to get set free of it. It's a choice every day of our lives. I either choose to be that way or I don't. I choose the opposite. I choose God's way. Amen? So, I want to look at Start, uh, uh, and we won't, we won't get real far in this today, but I want to I look at the origin of fear. And 
We've got to find it in, in, in the Genesis of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3. Um, you know how God created Adam and Eve. He created them male and female. He blessed them. He gave them dominion over the fish of the sea and over everything on planet earth. He, God gave Adam and Eve dominion. And God told Adam and Eve one thing that they shouldn't mess with. They didn't need. They didn't need the fruit on the tree in the middle of the garden. You don't need that. It's not good for you. And, and I'm not going to explain why. Just don't mess with it. And in chapter 3, we see the manifestation of the serpent that was created by God that was taken over by Lucifer. He took over that body because the only way to operate in the earth is in a body. You can't operate in a spirit. I mean, you can, you can affect things in, in the spirit realm, but you can't operate in earth without a body. And so Lucifer took over the body of a serpent. And we see him in chapter 3, manifest and confront Adam and Eve. And I'm just going to jump to uh, verse 6. So Satan's told them that the tree was, was good and that they'll, you know, in, in verse 5 it says, God knows that in the day that you eat that fruit that God told them not to, this is the serpent telling them this, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, they were already like God. They were already created in the image of God. Verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, Where are you? It wasn't like God didn't know where he was in the garden. He was like, you know, where, where are you? What are you doing? What, what's up here? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and what? I was afraid. Here is where all fear originated from. And what did he say that they, that they were afraid of? He said, we heard your voice in the garden, and we were afraid because we were naked. And we hid ourselves. We were naked and, and we were afraid of that. But I believe there's more to that story. Because um, if, if, you know, if you know for a fact you're driving down I-10, 75 miles an hour, and... Uh, you know that all your headlights and your taillights and your blinker lights are working. 
and you know you've paid for your tags and your inspection sticker and you know the IRS isn't looking for you have a warrant out for your arrest and uh, you're positive and confident that you're driving 74 miles an hour in a 75 and you see a police car behind you with its lights on there should be no fear in relation to the police but if you're driving from here to El Paso and uh, speed limits 80 miles an hour past Ozona and uh, you know 80 starts feeling like 50 and uh, you start kicking it up to about 85 90 you know you go through Sierra Blanca and down one of those hills and you know you hit 95 to 100 and you know you're not really thinking a whole lot about it and all of a sudden you see lights behind you what happens what grips you fear why because you're naked hope not <coughs> hmm no no fear grips your heart because you're guilty fear gripped Adam and Eve's heart because they were guilty There lies the origin for all fear. All fear in people's lives originate from that verse of Scripture right there. We hid ourselves from you because we were guilty, if you want to be honest. So actually, they lied. And they lied about a couple other things as you read that, but we're not going to talk about that today. But I want you to see, the title of my message today is The Source of All Fear. And the source of fear that shuts down so many things in people's lives is because we operate from this position of feeling guilty. Every person in here today has made mistakes. I don't care who you are, you've made mistakes. And if you believe the Bible, if you believe what the Bible talks about and what's transpired in the last 2,000 years through Jesus Christ, Jesus is the second Adam. And what he did is he came to destroy all guilt and shame and liberate mankind. That's what he came to do. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So the devil, the enemy, Satan himself, and all of his demons that are in the earth, that were released in the earth, when there was the, the fall from heaven, when they were released to the earth, they're the same demons and the same devil that have been there since Satan rebelled in heaven as the worship leader, trying to take heaven over and was cast out and a third of the angels. And it's the same bunch 
been doing the same things for over 6,000 years that we know of in that time frame that we know of from the Bible. And their job is to convince you day to day, every day, that you're not good enough to receive what rightfully belongs to you from God. And so, when something happens or somebody says something to you or some example in your life arises, some situation arises in your life, and all of a sudden, these words, these thoughts come to you, well, you know, so-and-so has a right to be blessed and to receive So-and-so has a right to be healed in their bodies and be delivered of certain things, but not you because of this. And see, the deal is, Satan's talking to everybody like that, but the people that choose not to receive it are the ones that live in a, a life free from fear. I sought the Lord, and He delivered me from all of my fears. Some of my fears? No, all of my fears. I sought the Lord and He delivered me from all the guilt and the shame in my life. I sought the Lord and He liberated me and set me on high and set me in a position to receive everything that rightfully belongs to me. The source of fear started with Adam and Eve. That's where all fear started. Fear was destroyed with the manifestation of the second Adam, who is Jesus. And through the blood of Jesus, you and I have been totally liberated. Can you say amen? Amen. Luke chapter 13. I want to give you two examples, and then I'm going to read... A little piece out of Hebrews at the end. Two examples. Luke 13 and verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, Jesus was. Verse 10 of Luke 13. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Just imagine what she probably looked like. She was probably, she was like this. So here's her back and here's her feet. And she was probably like this for 18 years, a spirit of infirmity where she was bent over. And when verse 12, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And what did she do? She glorified God. Do you think she was glorifying God for 18 years? No. There's no record of this woman glorifying God. When you become loosed of something, it's, it's, it's so much easier to glorify God. 
How many, how many know that? <laughs> when you've been set free from something. Now watch what he says, what, what happens here with the, with, the, with the ruler of the synagogue. He says, But a ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Notice, this Pharisee didn't give any dates when she could come during the next week to get healed. Right? He was just complaining. Looking for some reason to take an offense for something good that was done and accomplished. And, and the Lord answered him this way, You hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the, from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought, not, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Everybody say, ought not. Say it again, ought not. I, 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 looked, I looked that, it, it's kind of hard to look up statements like that in the Greek, but, but um, uh, ought, ought not is, is really a, a covenant statement because she was a daughter of Abraham. And ought not means it should be this way. It should be that she should be able to be healed on any day. And this Pharisee is trying to make a stink over this issue about which day. And he said, ought not this woman be healed? Shouldn't you be healed? Shouldn't you be delivered? Shouldn't you be set free of any type of infirmity? Well, the truth is, is when we have a covenant because we've sought God, then we have a right to receive everything that His Word says we have a right to. And, and not only was this woman bound up, but Jesus saw that she was bound up and couldn't receive, but other people were busy all the time making sure that she stayed down, that she stayed in bondage. I, I hate to say it, but a lot of people don't like it when other people get set free. A lot of people get jealous or, or, or mad because someone gets liberated and free of a specific thing. Well, the truth is that you ought to be well. You ought to be prosperous. You ought to be advancing. You ought to be clear in your mind. You ought to have things lined up and right in your life. You ought to. Everybody say, I ought to. That's what he said here. Ought not this woman be well? Yes. Why? Because, because she has a covenant with Abraham. Ought not we be well? Yes, because we have a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus. And today, there's nothing, no fear that God wants in your life that is stopping you and keeping you from receiving what is rightfully yours. And I'm telling you, in our minds and our mindsets, 
So often, the enemy, through our thinking, talks us out of receiving what rightfully belongs to us in God. Can you say amen? In the same book of Luke, just look at chapter 5. And then I want to look at Hebrews. And I'll end with that. Luke 5 and verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's or Peter's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him, answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and, that they, and they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, now think about this as I just finished this story. Think about this. Peter has probably heard Jesus for the first time. And he's never heard anything like that in his life. I remember when I was 18 years old, somebody invited me to go hear the Word preached. And I heard the Word preached and I thought, after it was over with, I thought, this guy's either a nut or everybody else has been lying to me. Because this almost sounds too good to be true. And I just imagine, here's Peter, really kind of a hard guy, done a lot of pretty rough things and difficult things in life, and and, uh, he hears this message, and he's he's shocked. One of the greatest messages probably he's ever heard in his life that Jesus was teaching from his boat. And and, And they had been fishing all night, they're tired, you know, kind of frustrated, they didn't catch anything. And Jesus tells him to go out, launch out into the deep and cast your net. And he says, man, we've, we've done this. this. In other words, this isn't going to work. But it's your word, I'll cast it. Now these are fishermen. That's where they make their money. And they had, they had net breaking, boat sinking loads of fish that were being pulled in. What does that mean? They were making a bunch of money. Hmm? They were making a bunch of money. But look at the next verse here. Look at his response. Look at his response. And and his response is tying in to my point today. Look at his response in Luke chapter 5 here. He says this. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I mean, if all of a sudden you went into work one day and your boss hands you a check for a bonus that he just didn't want to give you for the last five years and you look at that and all of a sudden, I mean, you're, 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 you're amazed. Depending on what type of fear operates in your life will be how you respond and receive. Peter's response was, I don't deserve this. Why? Because he had done some ugly things. Anybody in here done some things that weren't right in your life? Don't shake your head. I mean, I was just asking you a question. We don't want anybody else to see you shake your head. Everybody's done things that they shouldn't have done. Peter's thinking, because of his lack of revelation of God and the promises of God, that he doesn't, wait, wait, Jesus, you don't, you don't know what kind of a guy. You don't know what all the things that I've done. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to prosper and to be blessed and to advance. Depart from me. You, you need to leave. <laughs> he just heard the best message he's ever heard in his life. And just had the largest catch he's ever had, ever. And his words are, depart from me. I don't know about you, but today, in my thinking, I'm thinking, would you be my partner? (laughs) Would you partner with me? Don't leave me, partner with me. Listen to me. I'm telling you that what caused him to make that statement at this moment was fear. It was the enemy speaking to him and saying, you know what, you don't deserve that. You know, Jesus Jesus doesn't know what kind of guy you are. See, that's the voice that comes. Some people think that, well, because you don't hear an audible voice, that it really doesn't come, but it's the things that you meditate on that is the voice of the enemy telling you that what God has promised you is not true and it will never come to you because of how worthless you are. And that's what was happening to him right here. Watch what Jesus says. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do what? Do not be afraid. You see how his attitude about himself was a tide to fear. The way he perceived himself based on his response was tied to fear. Jesus said, be not afraid. And what did they do? Well, he said, and from now on you'll catch men. So so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and they followed him. Someone says, well, you know, so they, they never fished again. No, no, that's not true. They fished. There's a count. They they didn't do away with their business. They laid down the laboring. They labored all night. They caught nothing. They did what he said, and they caught the largest catch they'd ever caught ever in their life. 
And these were professional fishermen. And Jesus said, fear is tied to your attitude that's got to change. You've got to see yourself forgiven. You've got to see yourself in a different way. And for the next three years, that's what Peter did. For the next three years, Peter followed Jesus and found out and sought Him. And what happened was, over time, and we see it was after Jesus left the earth, but we saw where, Jesus, where Peter was totally delivered of all fear. We saw him delivered of fear of man, fear of intimidation, fear of anything else. And as a result of that, the boldness got on him, and he laid hands on the sick, and the sick were well. People were delivered and set free for years and years and years as a result of his life because he, he changed his attitude and he dealt with fear. And he let fear have no place in his life. Can you say amen? amen. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll end with this. Hebrews 10, and let's start, let's just read from verse um, 11. Hebrews 10 and 11. And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies were made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Everybody say, I'm one of those. Say, I'm one of those. I'm one of those who are being perfected. I'm I'm one of those who are being sanctified. I'm one of those who are being delivered. I'm one of those who are being set free in my life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hmm? That's you. How many say that's me? Huh? I being I am being sanctified and I am being delivered hmm? and I ought to be well and prosperous and delivered and everything right my marriage ought to be right my family ought to be right situations in my life ought to be right my body ought to be well my finances ought to be lined up this and this whatever issue that there is in life ought to be that way. Why? Because of the one sacrifice. The one sacrifice. And every time that the enemy comes and says, you worthless piece of whatever, you know, you, you could never accomplish that. You could never get over this hump. You could never get past this situation in life. This thing will be on you forever and ever. No, 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 no. You know, maybe, maybe that's right in the natural. Maybe that's right and maybe that's the way it looks and maybe that's the way that it appears. But there's one that did something for me. And I was not just born once by my natural mother. I was born a second time. And when I got born a second time, now my lineage is lined up and hooked up with the one who saved me. 
and delivered me and set me free. And I'm free of all fear in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come on, give God praise for that today. It is true. It is absolutely true. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Listen to me, that's not when you get to heaven. That's now. Amen? That, that started the day that the disciples were standing there and they watched Jesus disappear. And the Bible says He sat down at the right hand of the Father and Daddy said, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. I'm free. Fear has no dominion over me. None. It, it, and, it, and, and I'm not talking, listen, we have to separate what we deal with in the form of thoughts versus what our legal right is in God. I didn't say that the fear thoughts will stop coming to you. Hmm. I said, His Word says you're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? And so then we, you take what we talked about all the month of January, I mean, January, of November. We'll talk about that in January too. But the whole month of November, that what we talked about in November, about being thankful and thankfulness being a weapon, that you go before God daily and thanking Him that the greater one lives in you and that you can do all things and you can overcome all things because of Him that's in us. Those are, those atti- that attitude and that development on a day-to-day basis is what stops the fear thoughts. And you have to identify the fact that certain thoughts are attached to fear that come from our extended grandparents, Adam and Eve. Because everybody on planet Earth originates from them. Everybody. And that's where fear started, and Jesus destroyed fear. We don't have to take it. We don't have to receive it. It doesn't have to be a part of our lives. But we have to daily let it know that it has no place in us. And if we don't, it'll overtake you, and it'll get the best of you. And it, I mean, it will beat you all over the place like a, you know, whatever. It, it, it will. I mean, like, like, like somebody that's got you in a chain with a big stick that's beating you all over the place, and it'll do that. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're trapped. I feel worthless. I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like, and like bam, bam. I'm hitting you all the time. And the way we retaliate is we take the key. See, while they're hitting us, the whole time the key's in our hand. Unlock the chain, walk away from it. Because see, he's already done that for us. We're already liberated. We're already free from fear. 
We don't have to take this. We ought to be everything He says we are. Amen? Amen? Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Well, you know, if I, if I can just be good enough. No. No. You'll never be good enough. Ever. You'll never be perfect. Only one's perfect. Well, if I can just do enough right. No. You'll never do enough right. See, because you'll do 15 things right and you do one thing wrong and bam, there's that stick again. Bam, you worthless piece of this. Yeah, but man, I've done 15 things good. Yeah, bam. Every time that you do something that's not pleasing to God is when you begin to give thanks. Lord, I repent to you for this attitude I have. I repent to you for what I've done. And I just come before you and I begin to thank you that you've empowered me to overcome this situation. I don't have to be ruled by this. I'm free. I'm liberated. And that is not that act of whatever it is that you did as you continue to seek and be drawn towards God is not going to keep you from receiving if you don't let it. But it's all the guilt and the shame and the worthlessness and I'm not good enough kind of thing that keeps us from being under an open heaven and aligned with God and be on the receiving end so that not only we have the power to overcome sin and mistakes or things that we do, we have the power to do that, but we have the power to receive. Can you say amen? I, I just want, I told you that was the last scripture, but, I, but take, take this verse and make sure you remember this. It's in Romans chapter 6. I think. I want you to have this. It's a great verse. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, and it says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And I'll just say it like this. So do not let fear reign in your mortal body. And verse 14 says, For sin or fear shall not have dominion over me. Amen? I'm not under the law. I'm not under keeping everything perfect in my life. I'm not under that. I'm under the grace of God. And the grace of God is not a license to just do whatever you want to do. The, le- the, the grace of God is the empowerment to overcome those things that try to keep us from doing what's right. I'm telling you today, fear shall not and will not have dominion over your life. Can you say amen? 